0: This episode is
1: brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
0: this is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello.
1: Hello. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Any of y'all um, have a nap I could borrow? Possibly <laughs> An ice pack for my thumbs and my brain? I don't
0: know. Mm. What a we day. We have had. Yeah. We learned that you really need a pillow. There's a lot of people hauling pillows in and out of the courthouse. It's very No, not
1: from... Sitting on those church pews in the courthouse before, but man, these are bad.
0: Bad. Whew. Uh, you definitely need a phone charger, mm. a brick, because uh, when you text literally all, or write all day, anyway, yeah. And definitely, I'm gonna need some bengay for the thumbs, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: all yeah. of the
0: above. Oh, yes, every single bit. So to get started. So I'm going to actually back up just a little bit because I did go to court on Thursday. That was just a part of jury selection. Um, It wasn't particularly interesting, but it was a good primer to how it's going to be in the courtroom. So as most of you know, we are not in Boise. So we're not in the Ada County courtroom. We are in Madison. We're at the Madison County courtroom where they are showing, you know, a stream so it is a zoom stream there are four screens so we have a view of the judge we have a view of the defense we have a view of the prosecution and we have a view of the evidence table which is really going to be interesting yeah
1: we actually saw some things i didn't think we were going to get to see evidence i thought that was going to get held back for for the live stream but no
0: no so to see it all Yes, but so because of that, you can't see a lot. We really can't see Lori's facial expressions. Um, You can see if she's moving, what direction she's looking, if she was to move her hands, stuff like that. But to like see an up close of her face, we're definitely not going to get that.
1: No, which is frustrating, but I'm glad at least we can follow along with some of our colleagues that are in Boise that can help out with what they're seeing. because Yeah. A lot of people are commenting on that because we all want to know, you know, right. that's big.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's kind of what it's like. Our courtroom is quite laid back. People are bringing in drinks, you know, lots of chit chat happening in between, uh, you mm-hmm. know, on breaks and stuff like that. Certainly not as like
1: high stress as the hearings in Fremont County that we went to where it was like. Nobody do or say anything wrong. We're all getting thrown out. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of felt like that the whole time. It doesn't feel like that this one. Well, we this got in trouble well.
0: one time today for making noise, but and, we didn't shush. Uh, well, yeah, Darla and I did. <laughs> oh, I was like, I didn't even... did you miss it? <laughs> I must have missed it. Yeah, wow. You know, we got shushed by the court administrator. She said, and then she <laughs> laughed because she was laughing about the same thing we were laughing about. <laughs> And, and we'll get there, but it has to do with uh, uh, Brandon Boudreaux and why Melanie thought he was gay. Uh, oh, we'll get there. Poor Brandon it Boudreaux, was, man. Yeah. One time we got in trouble. But like I said, the court administrator was laughing too. I think uh, we all just kind of had the same reaction at the same time. we yeah. <laughs> were a couple of those. However, there were some very intense, hard moments in the courtroom today. So that's what Thursday was. We got to see them get the very last person you know the number 42 and call it a day and we were super excited so we went this morning uh christy and me and our dear friend and listener darla who is uh, one of our legs for reporting this uh whole court series she is going to be going to court typically on mondays and sometimes an extra day if she has it and so the three of us went together today and our awesome aunt is actually going to serve some days as well. She's going tomorrow.
1: Which is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Give us, help us, because there's no way. Yeah. So, so for just us who also have other jobs. No. <laughs> to do this the entire time. But it's going to kill me to not be in the courtroom, too. Yeah, it
0: sucks. <laughs> Thanks, RJ. My sunburn is a bit of a mess. Like uh, Yep. Softball's here. Can you tell?
1: I'm always watching for those raccoon eyes. I know it's coming.
0: I was determined. No raccoon eyes this year. I did have some uh, sunblock in my moisturizer, and I thought I'd be okay. It was only—it wasn't very warm, but mm, that Montana sun hits different. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Burn it all in Tucson, and now look at this shit. Yeah. (laughs) So whatever, whatever. We'll get over it (laughs) in time. Anyway, so we did all go together today and we, um, uh, they started, of course, with uh, opening or uh, opening, uh, I want to say arguments, and that's not right, but opening statements.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Lindsay Blake took the opening statement. I was kind of surprised, I didn't expect that to be Lindsay.
1: Yeah, no, but you know what? She rocked it, she did. Money. Power and sex—that is what this case is about. That's how she opened, and it could not be more true. We all know it. We've been mm-hmm. talking about it for three years. Whatever mm-hmm. belief bullshit there is, what it's really about was mm-hmm. getting what they wanted at yep. any, literally any cost. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, I loved that she said that, and the way she said it, and then she said it several more times in in powerful moments, which I thought was awesome.
1: She did. She really. Her statement was so powerful, but it was also very tense. Mm-hmm. I was ready to take a nap when she was done. I she talked mm-hmm. so fast and so intensely. Oh my gosh. Trying to tweet all of that and Facebook, all of that. We were about done by the time we were just that part was over. But yes, the golden vagina, we all know Katie called it three years ago. We've been saying it ever since. Mm-hmm. That's what this is really about. Yep.
0: That old golden vagina. Mm-hmm. I think that vagina is like a 3.5 dark at this point. I, I at this know. point,
1: yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think it's tarnished. We're dealing with rust at this point. And
0: I don't think it's coming
1: back. Just yeah. to be perfectly honest.
0: Yes. So she started with talking about Tylee. That Tylee was a vibrant young woman that had uh, a good future in front of her, but Tylee had money and Lori wanted it. Yeah. JJ was you know why Tyler roller? had
1: money? Because her dad's dead. That's why Tyler has money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think she. I think it's so important because she kept saying that, like, yeah, pointing out how many people are dead around Lori.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she did. I, it was. It was magnifique. It really mm-hmm. was what it she was. said. Uh She talked about JJ then. And how he was only seven years old. Had a whole life ahead of him. Uh, And JJ also had money. And Lori wanted it.
1: Because again. His dad's dead.
0: Then she talked about Tammy. And that Tammy of course was married to Chad. Chad had life insurance on Tammy. Tammy had two things Lori wanted. Chad and Tammy's money.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's when they dropped the bomb. About Tammy's autopsy this is yes. something we have all been waiting for for three years yes even chad's kids have never been made privy to this we think unless, we think unless because uh, one to... of
1: them actually did leak this particular thing mm-hmm. but then they pulled it back and i don't know yeah
0: but what they are saying what she said is that tammy daybell died at the hands of another from an asphyxiation So that could easily be a pillow or some other way that he uh, cut off air.
1: Because it wasn't strangulation. If it was strangulation, there would be all kinds of physical marks on her. And they wouldn't have just buried her without an autopsy to begin with. Mm -hmm. So it had to be something softer. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We've wondered. And, you know, of course, people get mad at us for speculating. But at this point. Right. I mean, we have been right a lot. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> that, you know, did she take a pain, a pain pill or a sleeping pill or something that night to make her on um,
0: purpose or on accident? Yeah.
1: Yeah. To make it easier, uh, for somebody to pin her down with a pillow. I just really wonder because there were, there's no petechiae, there's no damage to her throat. I mean, you strangle somebody, you can't do that without leaving marks.
0: Right. Right. It's funny because everyones we've been musing about poisons forever. Right. Maybe it was just this simple all along. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it
1: does appear that it probably was.
0: Yeah. But here's my question. This bothers me a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Chad called 911 a little before 6 a.m. And said that uh, he had just woken and that his wife, Tammy, was dead, that she was cold and stiff. By the time the police got there, he had moved her body.
1: Yeah.
0: Why? 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 Uh, But if Chad, let's say, smothered Tammy with a pillow, for her to be cold and stiff, that had to have been many hours ago. Yeah. His kids were home, some of them. Yeah. And like Garth was the one that I believe said that he came in the room and helped uh, helped move her because she was hanging halfway off the bed or something like that. Right. Um.
1: Or there was Chad Cat too. There was kind of a more than one story here.
0: Well, there have been yeah multiple stories. But did Chad strangle Tammy and then get in bed and sleep next to her dead body?
1: It does make you wonder. She clearly had been gone quite a long time by the time he called nine one
0: one. Yep. Yep. Really, yikes! Hard yikes! But at least finally we know uh, she did not, however, mention autopsy results for JJ or Tylee.
1: Nope. They're holding that back.
0: They are holding that back. I still, I still don't think they are going to know how Tylee died. Right. I, I just don't think they have enough to go on. But I'm still really hoping they'd have a cause of death for JJ.
1: Right, right. I Seriously, I wonder
0: if it's exactly this. Right,
1: and it very well could be. Um, Remember how in the, when they were questioning the jurors, one of the questions that prosecutor Smith asked was, if you know that someone has been murdered, but there is no cause of death, could you still see that as a crime? Yeah. And we've wondered, you know, we figured that was probably in relation to Tylee, but maybe it's both kids. Maybe. And, you know, a lot of you are asking about a drug and, you know, that's the thing. We didn't get the full autopsy yet. So we don't know what was the tox report, you know, Mm -hmm. did they find anything in her system that made them question? We don't know. All we know is they actually gave her real cause of death in court today.
0: Yep. So... Moving on from that, she talked about, uh, of course, that Kylie was found on June 9th, twenty twenty, on Chad's property. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was left of her, she said, was a massive t- charred tissue and bone. Yeah, and that a spade and pickaxe, pickaxe found in the shed, did have her DNA. Yeah, we knew we've that
1: heard stuff about that, but that was a confirmation
0: that it was. But who else's DNA was on that pickaxe? That's and spade. That's what I wanted to mm-hmm. know.
1: On the handles, particularly.
0: JJ, of course, was found in a shallow grave on Chad Daybell's property on June 9th, 2020, wrapped in garbage bags and duct tape. This we knew, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tammy was last seen on October 19th. She had been home with her husband. When he called 911, he said Tammy had been sick, but Tammy's friends and people she worked with all said that they didn't think that was true. Right. And then- no one
1: else agreed with that.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Blake talked about that you'll uh, hear that Lori was in Hawaii when Tammy was killed and that Chad and Lori were back in Hawaii three weeks later celebrating their marriage. Yeah. She talked about uh, Lori transferring Tylee's money from her bank account into uh, Lori's to continue to fund her lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, She talked about when they met. On October, in October 2018, when they met at a preparing a people conference yeah. in St. George, Utah, and that they were pretty much, uh, you know, dare us we say, love at first sight?
1: Right. It, and, yeah. and it really was, or psycho at first sight, something. Yeah. Lots of people something. have said that it was pretty clear the first time they met that excuse me, mm-hmm. that they really felt something.
2: hmm
0: Yeah. Yep. So we know that Chad, uh, you know, and, and Lori both had other wives or spouses. We heard a little bit about that. Uh, we heard that Chad wrote a story about James and Elena that was actually about him uh, and Lori. We heard all about that. You know, that... L- loin fire. Dreaded <laughs> loin fire. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, why are there so many I, phrases in this case that are so gross? I thought if you had loin fire, you had to go to the doctor.
1: I thought that needed an antibiotic, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think so.
0: At least one, maybe a shot.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Maybe some cream.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, she talked about the beliefs. That Chad and Lori had decided that some people were so dark and evil that they had to be killed. We'll talk about that a little bit more. We pulled up, dusted off some of the old uh, Chad's uh, dark and light uh, scale. Yeah. Uh, uh, Registry was the word that was coming. And I'm like, don't say that. (laughs) Uh, Of course. Of course, uh, Tylee and JJ were both dark. As it turned out, anyone that Lori didn't like. Was dark. Mm-hmm. Anybody that was in Lori's way was dark. Pretty convenient.
1: Although JJ initially was light. Uh-huh. And then got
0: moved to dark when. He was till that darn zombie came over him. Right. Or dark spirit turning him into a zombie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whatever the hell. Yeah. But he initially was light and Tylee was dark.
0: Yeah. Can you Blake talked about children like that? Yeah. Blake talked about Alex, uh, that he was a warrior who protected Laurie, which we knew that he quit his job, dropped everything to move to Rexburg to be with her, near her. Right. And that he had been actively taught by Chad and by Laurie that he was supposed to be Laurie's protector.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. which Which but we he, know.
1: Yeah. But that started so long, way before Chad. I mean, that had been going on. I mean, he literally went to jail for attacking Joe Ryan Mm
0: -hmm. on
1: Lori's behest. Like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he would have done anything for her.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. There was a moment uh, when Alex was trying to set up Lori's new Wi-Fi after she moved to Rexburg. And he texted her the password. It was too many kids. Lori thought that was funny. God,
1: that is just chilling how long
0: did they plan the deaths of these kids
1: right and that they could joke about it like that my hell that's terrifying
0: yeah yeah now Lori acted against her own beliefs but it was okay because she's a translated being yeah. now blake said translated being a lot of times and i had i wish it would have paused to define translated being yeah Um, I think that uh, people of a certain faith might take for granted that other people know what the hell they're talking about there. Yeah. I wish she had defined translated being, because I think that would have been a little bit more effective in helping other people to kind of understand.
1: Yeah, we were trying to look at this from the standpoint of the jury, this group of people that know nothing about this case that absolutely got buried under information on just day one. Mm
0: hmm. So here's Chad's definition to a translated being. Translated beings cannot die, cannot reproduce, do not need sleep or food, and do not feel the sorrow of the world. Injury is possible, but healing is accelerated and it's never fatal.
1: Yeah. Uh, to they become, don't have to repent either. They nope. can do whatever they want.
0: They're translated now. They can do what they want yep Interestingly, uh, Chad also had identified that there are 50 dark translated humans on the planet. One of them was Do- Detective Hope and the other is Detective Hermesio.
1: <laughs> These guys are so transparent that like really like you couldn't throw a few in there to shake this up a little bit so it wasn't so clear <laughs> that it was just all your enemies, all your the dark enemies. ones. Like, this is like a B B movie. It's not even a good
0: movie. Translated, Dark Detective Hermeseo is the first person on the stand tomorrow, by yes, the way. He is. <laughs> In your face, Lori.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right, what a small world that two of them would be the two detectives originally <laughs> on this case.
0: What? Isn't that cool? Oh, I don't know what the rules are for Dark. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That that's a footnote in Chad's notes. Yeah. yeah. That hasn't
1: been as clear.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, she talked about Lori and Zulema doing a casting prayer and energy work for Tammy.
1: mm
0: mm-hmm. uh, That Which was was literally to try to make
1: her die. That mm-hmm. was the whole point, was to kick her out of her body.
0: Yep. Uh, on that same day, that's when someone, who turned out to be Alex Cox, tried to shoot Tammy in her driveway. Mm-hmm. Lori
1: is the worst assassin on the planet, it turns out.
0: Mm-hmm. With a
1: gun, anyway. He sucks.
0: Yeah. Lori then went to Missouri with her niece, Melanie Pulowski to see their friend, Audrey. And I think Audrey will hear from Audrey in this uh, trial. They went to Missouri to see right. Audrey. And while they were there, they did another casting together on Tammy and determined that she was now dark. That, that gave them permission to remove her from her body because their belief was once a soul has turned dark and is uh has been possessed by a dark entity then the only way to save them is to kill them
2: yeah
0: and not to worry about it because their body's already all their their soul's already gone so you're not killing tammy you're just killing the dark thing yeah
1: just tammy ish
0: yes did they make up their own religion where did they get this all from uh yes and no they this is a real hodgepodge of some mormon and fringe mormon beliefs mm-hmm. uh some not all obviously this is a lot of stuff mormons don't believe uh some like eastern religion you know I mean, they really uh picked off eastern uh belief pretty well in some ways mm-hmm. and then uh some of it was just the shit that they were making up in order to justify all the stuff they were doing
1: yeah just conveniently coming up with new beliefs that would mm-hmm. justify them you know murdering people to get to be together mm-hmm.
0: this light and dark stuff is nothing I've ever heard anywhere
1: no me neither and maybe it comes from some science fiction I don't know maybe it does mm-hmm. but
0: yep oh ground like it correct. would. yeah yeah it does uh viola was the uh yes. dark spirit that they said had entered Tammy yeah. Yeah. All right. Then of course we know that when Tammy died, Lori almost immediately inserted herself into Chad's life. As soon as when Tammy died, Lori was in Hawaii with Melanie Pulowski, her niece. And she flew right back. She met Chad's kids, neighbors. They were immediately physically affectionate in front of people. When uh she was asked if she had kids, Chad said she had a young daughter who recently died that was it. Yeah.
1: Did you even mention JJ?
0: Nope.
1: Didn't also mention that Tylee had died and was buried in his backyard to his neighbors. Mm -hmm. God, the way that they just so brazenly did this stuff is just disgusting.
0: Then, of course, we know they went to Hawaii and got married on November 15th. This was just three weeks after Tammy died. And they used those Malachite rings that Lori had been shopping for. Now, get this. This was new info. Mm -hmm. From uh, Lori's search history, they now know that she started shopping for or looking for Malachite wedding rings in May. Charles Mm -hmm. died in July. Yeah. So she was already planning the next wedding. I mean, we know that in September, that's when she ordered malachite uh, rings. Uh, I believe a dress, some beach clothes, some swimsuits, like the stuff they needed for their uh, Hawaii wedding.
1: I think that was October second, is what Kay said. On it was the stand October
0: second? Yeah. Yep. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but we didn't know that. We'd always heard of that that in the fall, but we'd never heard that she was actually shopping for those rings all the way back in May and the prosecutor did on Charles's uh,
1: Amazon account.
0: Mhm. I don't believe she did go to Tammy's funeral. I believe that she met with the kids like the day after. She met Chad's kids and had a cookie party at her house with them. Yep. Yeah.
1: But then again, she also didn't go to Charles' funeral either.
0: No, she did not.
1: Nor did she take her children or let JJ go yep. to that funeral.
0: Yep. Uh, the prosecutor told us that uh, Tammy was exhumed. Uh, and when she was, that Alex said, we're not sure who to, to who. Some, a lot of what she said, we'll see the evidence later. Mm-hmm. Alex said, I hope I'm not their fall guy. Then yeah. as we know, Alex died the next day the next day uh we know that alex's phone was in the salem idaho area the same day of the attempted shooting of tammy and on the days that the children were buried
1: uh blake didn't um, know anyone else out there except for except for chad this is not a place you would just drive to accidentally
0: no, this probably is not. Out in
1: the country, way out of town, you don't go there unless yeah. you're going specifically to a place there. Like th- th- that could not be ac- accidental. No.
0: No, for sure no. No, and in the preliminary when uh they were interviewing the FBI guy that went through all of the data, they asked him how many times in the, the short time that Chad lived in Rexburg, it was only, or that Alex lived in Rexburg, it was only a couple of months, mm-hmm. uh, or about three months, how many times he had been out to Chad's house it was like four times.
2: Yeah.
0: And two of those times were when he was burying the kids or helping with that, presumably. Uh, and then also the time that he was shooting at Tammy. Yeah. So he wasn't a regular at Chad's house, not by no. any stretch. He had not been out there hardly at all. Hey, Denise. Yeah. All right. Uh, Then Blake kind of talked to the jury about their responsibilities, how this is going to go. She reiterated that the state has the burden of proof. Then she talked about conspiracy. The -hmm. conspiracy is two or more people conspiring to commit a crime. Only one person has to commit the crime. And the defendant can be found guilty even if they didn't directly commit the murder. Yep. She also said that the defendant did not have to end anyone's life with their own hands to be guilty.
1: They've left the door open to asking someone, pressuring someone, assisting, or aiding and abetting Mm -hmm. in a murder are all still first-degree murder.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. When she finished up with talking about that when Tylee was found, she was charred remains. That JJ's hands were duct taped together, and he was wrapped in trash bags and duct tape. And that Tammy's hands, the hands of a computer whiz, and mom, won't ever touch a computer again. All while Chad and Lori were celebrating their marriage on a beach in Hawaii. Yeah.
1: So gross.
0: That's how she closed. I thought Lindsay did an awesome job.
1: She really did. I was very impressed. It was very, it was very intense. There was no... Um, yeah, there was no mistaking anything that she said or not, or not paying attention. Like she had you, she had you,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, yes, the defense, uh, was facing the jury today.
0: Yeah.
1: In the courtroom layout. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that's how she closed. So then, uh, Archibald, uh, presented for the defense. He started out by laying out his uh, qualifications.
1: For a long time.
0: (laughs) Really, I I kept thinking. I mean, I think a little bit, maybe, but this is long and boring. Uh, He did say, I thought some interesting things. He has been trying, uh, he's been doing law for 32 years. And he has uh, defended 27 murder trials, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty wild. But, so yeah, he talked about that he's been both defense and on the prosecution side. And in the last two years, he's worked as a public defender.
1: That's really common here because we really don't have that many attorneys.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and We don't have that many criminal attorneys particularly.
0: Yeah. Then he thanked everyone for paying their taxes.
1: (laughs) He did. He was hokey Mm -hmm. and kind of daughtery. He lost his place and couldn't find it for like 30 seconds and it was an act yeah he's a very sharp guy but he was coming off like yeah it's real hard to be a defense attorney and we get a lot of disrespect we really appreciate your respect and then Mm -hmm. he brought up the time the prosecutor's office in Rexburg got bombed eight years ago
0: no no his office
1: yeah well yeah his office next door to the prosecutor's office
0: no 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 that was his defense attorney's office
1: yeah, I know. But, like, it's next door to the prosecutor's office. Oh, on got Street you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when it happened.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, he was representing our cousin at the time uh, in a, in a not a criminal matter, but in a civil matter. Right. And uh, it stalled her case by, like, six months. Yeah, it was a big a deal. A lot of their evidence and stuff, like, a lot of their documentation and paperwork and stuff went up in flames.
1: I'll post a link in the chat yeah. to it. So, yeah,
0: that did happen. It was
1: weird. It was like he was garnering sympathy or making a connection with the jurors in some way. It really wasn't about Lori. This part wasn't at all.
0: Now, of course, we can't see the jury. But I did not feel like a real connection was being made. It didn't seem to me like the jury was like, I really like this guy. Not that they don't like this guy, but I didn't really feel like... uh, mission accomplished. But I will say just from watching everything we've seen today and last week when I was at a jury selection that I I don't think that Thomas is going to be very good at connecting with the jury.
1: No, that's not. He's pretty rough around the edges.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's coming across as whiny and complainy.
1: Not paying any attention.
0: Mm-hmm. he
1: got a whole bunch of stuff wrong he asked Brandon Boudreau today that it was like it's like you didn't even hear a word he said
0: yeah I was not impressed with Thomas today well and so many objections and he lost 99% of them yeah but let's go back to the opening so he comes he starts with Lori's from California one of six children she believes in life after death and believes she will see her children again That's the Mormon influence. She's a beautician by trade. People are drawn to her and her vivacious energy. She is a beautiful, vivacious woman. She's a mother of three and a stepmother of two. And she was such a good mother that Kay wanted her and Charles to adopt JJ. He said, Laurie is a kind and loving mother to her children. She was interested in religion and biblical prophecy.
1: He went into this weird thing about how some people really aren't into biblical prophecy, but other people really are. Uh-huh. Like somehow this was all just an interest. Like this was her hobby. No.
0: <laughs> Do we think Lori wrote this part? <laughs>
1: kind of sounded like it. I mean, it was in pretty. It came across as poor taste after what the prosecutor yeah. said about the deaths and 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 all of these people dead around them and about. About JJ and Tylie and Tammy to then come across like this, I thought it was kind of gross.
0: Well, and he he, t- he said it all in present tense, which I thought was very weird. Or he is a said, mother of three. Mm-hmm. Oh, is she? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she believes she'll be with her children again. Does oh, she know? now? Now I realized because I was absolutely pissed, you know, and texting this out, like, are you even saying this? And then I thought, but kind of realize the jury is pretty untainted they only they told people who story. had never heard of this case or had only heard of it in passing there's not a lot of uh it, you know exposure to lori from them or exposure to lori for them yet so maybe you could make a statement like that and not look like a complete and total asshole but right
1: you're mm. right though Denise there was nothing about him being sad th- about her being sad about her children oh, no. missing them he didn't go there at all no didn't even touch that no and, and it- maybe that was tactic too but it it was <laughs> weird
0: yeah yep <laughs> vc great point to be fair he doesn't really have much to work with it is true
1: you know and it really came across i mean lindsay blake's got like this mountain of evidence to talk about and The defense, they don't have that. And not that they have to, they don't have to prove anything, but they didn't have a lot to back Lori either.
0: No, no, not at all. So he says that when Lori met Chad, this is where the story really begins. And he said, how did the children die? He said, the state doesn't really know. And that, uh, they're going to expect you to know something that they don't know. He—it's well, not know.
1: like we don't know they were murdered, because right, they were.
0: Kids don't just die like that.
1: Get buried in someone's backyard—that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. It was very a, a very simplified version when he said things like that. It was really simplifying what had already been said.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure uh he addresses laurie's alibi which yet again this is the alibi that he had uh, filed a while back that we were very puzzled about and he didn't go any further with it this time Mm -hmm. he said that laurie was in her apartment with melanie gibb and david warwick when chad oh and chad and chad melanie david and chad when jj and tylee were killed in alex cox's apartment Again, there is no possible way that's true. Those kids died 10 days apart. Tylee was already buried, burned, cut up in the ground at Chad's house when JJ died. And we know that from Chad's preliminary and all of the testimony about the cell phone pings.
1: Right. That they can prove that. Yeah. Also... All of those people that were there visiting Lori that weekend when JJ died, none of them saw Tylee. Tylee hadn't been seen for 10 days.
0: And in fact, they all testified at Chad's preliminary that Tylee wasn't there. They were staying in Tylee's bedroom. And they were told that Tylee was going to college up at uh, our local college here, BYU-Idaho, which was not true, was never true. She wasn't even old enough to be at that college. Tylee was 16 yeah but at any rate uh that that alibi is puzzling to say the least definitely Lori wrote that part
1: yeah, yeah.
0: definitely opens the door to bring melanie p in. melanie p will definitely be coming in we've got a oh. lot to stay on that oh yeah
1: she will yeah. definitely be yeah
0: so basically he talks a little bit more to the jury that you know it's their job to determine if there was even a conspiracy in this case at all. And the jury needs to be impartial and have an open mind. And that was it. I I like Archibald. I'll tell you that. I do. I think he does a good job and he's doing the best he can with what he's got here. Mm-hmm. However, I thought his opening was weak sauce. I didn't think there was, was. anything to it that uh, endeared me at all. But course
1: he may do another one when they actually start the defense I would yeah. be at all surprised if he gives another one that's mm-hmm. got a little more fire because this one was limp it really was and it was it, it was real gross after mm-hmm. well he also only mentioned Tammy Daybell in in passing once yep he referred to the children and 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 Lori and her relationship with her kids over and over again. And Tammy was just a total afterthought. Mm -hmm. But during Blake's opening, Mm -hmm. there was a casket photo of Tammy Daybell's body on the screen through the entire opening. An an
0: autopsy photo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like she was in, she was in her Mormon temple garden. She
1: was, but I think it was like after she had been exhumed and they were going to do that autopsy. Mm -hmm. It was very shocking. I'm mm-hmm. sure it was meant to be.
0: Absolutely, but then I he... kept staring at it, and I'm like, "Is that what I think it is?" I finally asked our friend that was with us. I'm like, "Is that?" And she's like, "Yeah." And so Mormons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have their uh, their sacred temple clothing, and one of their uh, death rituals frequently is to dress people who have been through the temple in their temple clothing when they bury them. And mm-hmm. Tammy, of course, would have been an endowed member and so she would have been buried in temple clothing and she was clearly in temple clothing in that picture yeah
1: yeah it that was odd so that was really really striking and then lindsey blake really really striking and Mm -hmm. i don't know if archibald thought he needed to come across softer because because blake was so intense but the way that he just left tammy as though she were an afterthought yeah as though she's just really not that important of a victim in this case was really disgusting it made me really angry
0: -hmm it, it was gross. and then to just lead with all of this. Lori mm-hmm. loves her children and she she's a mother of three. Just stepmother of two. Oh, are you even joshing on me right now? Mm-hmm. Those two men are Charles's sons. yes who hate her with the fires of a thousand sons and they were in the courtroom. They were in the I'll bet courtroom. They were so pissed to hear themselves called her stepchildren. Oh, oh I dear bet. God.
1: Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Archibald was assigned this case, Janet. And, um, he actually made a point of saying that in the opening, which was also odd mm-hmm. that he was assigned this case. He did not choose this case, would anyone choose this case? Right. <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's probably what he's saying. But I, I kind of, my own personal read between the lines was pretty much, no, we're going to lose. Um, this, that's, we know. <laughs> my opinion. Yeah. 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 So then we moved into. Uh, there. Yes, was Chad story. does have five
1: children. Yeah. And that was like totally, totally glossed over.
0: No kidding, Phyllis. She actually has seven stepchildren. Oh, God. Oh, oh, my heart. And three grandchildren. Well, I don't know. They, there's more kids in that family now. Well, anyway. Maybe. Yeah.
1: He was wise enough not to say that. But some of the things that he said. But again, for the jury, really may not have been that shocking. For the rest of us, you know, everyone in, in the courtroom we were in was looking at each other like, can you fucking believe that just happened? You know? Yeah. Um. But it, yeah, they don't know.
0: They're going to let though. them
1: lay this out for them.
0: They're going to. And mm-hmm. as all that evidence has laid out, I can't imagine they're not going to think back to that opening and be like, I thought he said she had children that she loved. You know? Yeah. I don't know, man. So then we took a blessed break so we could stand up from those benches for just a minute. Oh. And apologize to our asses for what we were doing to ourselves there.
1: And stretch uh, our fingers out.
0: <laughs> Definitely stretch our fingers out. Uh, and we were all talking about who's going to be the first witness. Who do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think? Well, then we come back to court and the state calls their first witness, Kay Woodcock. Everybody in our room went, <gasps> Because
1: that was a big old double bird to Mm -hmm. the defense after all their shit about trying to keep the woodcocks out of the courtroom Mm -hmm. and they're not really the grandparents which after Kay's testimony today no one can think that they are not the grandparents of this child but that i loved it because we all know why that happened
0: oh yeah totally
1: the jury doesn't but we all do
0: yeah that was super good yeah so I need to get to the K thread. Actually, do you want to do K?
1: Sure. I would love to do K. Oh, so the
0: to K. Find
1: it. K's um, testimony was really awesome, honestly, because it was it was really powerful to see her get the opportunity to finally have her moment. Because if it weren't for K.
0: We wouldn't be we here. We may
1: never have been here. Yeah. And that was really, really appreciated. Really appreciated. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they, prosecutor Wood is who questioned Kay. And he started out with, you know, who are you and, you know, how are you connected and all that stuff. And then they start talking about Kay's son, who whose girlfriend had a child that <laughs> they could not care for. Um, if you may remember, JJ was born at 30 weeks, he was Mm -hmm. 10 weeks early and he was born with drugs in his system. Mm -hmm. He spent seven weeks in a neonatal ICU. And when he went home from the hospital, he was placed by child protection in a temporary placement with Kay and Larry. Yep. Because there was no way that, um, his parents could take him. The plan initially, of course, as is always the case with child protection, was that they were going to try to see if the son and his girlfriend could get their shit together and be able to take JJ. And that, be- well, okay, take Canaan. This child's name was Kanan initially. Yeah. And uh, I f- always forget that. And Kay actually referred to him as Kanan quite a bit because, of course, okay. that's how she originally knew him. Yeah. Um. But they... They were considering adopting JJ because it was becoming clear that they were not, the parents weren't going to be able to get him back. It just wasn't going to happen. And it was pretty clear that JJ was going to have a disability and he had some challenges that they, medical stuff that they had to deal with. Uh Well, at that point, Charles and Lori actually approached Kay and Larry and Uh said, we would be interested in taking JJ and adopting him no pressure if you don't want that if you want to take him that's okay but we we're here just know we're here
0: mm-hmm. cuz they you know, wanted to have a child together yeah they
1: wanted a child together because they had you know their own kids from other marriages and this was mm-hmm. would have been an opportunity to do that and i i really appreciate kay because she said you know they really considered it and kay and larry are older they work a lot they don't have um as many resources for a child with a disability in their community. And, you know, they, they don't have any other children in their fa- in their home. And so they they decided to let JJ be adopted by Charles and Lori because it would be better for JJ. Yeah. Yo- younger, more active parents, a sister. They were gonna be in Chandler, Arizona where there was lots of services available, special mm-hmm. schools, that kind of thing. I cannot imagine what it must feel like saying that now because Uh, they fully believed they were doing the right thing. And at the time Mm -hmm. it is true that they believed that Lori was a great mom because that's how she was behaving. And of course um, Kay and Charles were very close. Kay is uh, Charles' sister and they're very close. And so she's just like, this is my brother. I, we can trust them with this child. And so Mm -hmm. they said, okay, to the adoption with the caveat that they still got to have lots of contact with JJ. And so JJ's name was changed to uh, Joshua Jackson Vallow, which got shortened to JJ from Canaan. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so they kind of went through all the legal parts of that and talked about the, um, how that, how that all worked. You know, Kay said that they, she and Larry would visit because they live in, in Louisiana so they would visit about every three months. And as soon as he was old enough, they would FaceTime JJ and talk to him on the phone. So they had a lot of contact with him. They were very much a part of his life. Mm-hmm. At that time, Kay also spent time with Colby and Tylee. Yep. And she knew Lori's parents mm-hmm. and Lori's brothers, Alex and Adam. Like she knew the whole family. They were kind of a big family and they were close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she remembers meeting Alex. One thing that I think was really interesting because see, they're, they're trying to find ways to bring in the Charles story and the Alex story, right? So the prosecutor asked her if she remembered meeting Lori's siblings. And she said, yes, I met uh, her brother, Alex, a handful of times. And I met her brother, Adam, a couple of times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the prosecutor then asked, do you know if Alex Cox is still living? And she said, no, he's passed away. And the prosecutor said, do you know when he died? And she said, yeah, December 12th, 2019. So boom, we're right there in that three or four month period at the end of 2019 when people are just dropping like flies Mm -hmm. around these people, which I thought was really, really smart. But immediately... They'd already gotten Charles' death in with um, Laurie stealing stealing his money, stealing JJ's money that Mm -hmm. he got because his dad had died. So they know that Alex is dead. They know that Charles is dead. They know that Joe Ryan's dead. Mm -hmm. Right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And those things never even got an objection, which I thought was really interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So then they started questioning Kay about... What was going on in the family in February of 2019. And this is when things started going south with Lori and Charles. And they split for a while. Lori went to Hawaii, took Tylee, and did not have any contact with JJ that we know of for 58 days. Yep, Just left her little boy. Her seven-year-old. Six-year-old at the time. Child. No contact. And So Kay was trying to help Charles because obviously suddenly here he's trying to work. He was a financial planner and he's got his little boy. And so Charles moves to Houston, Texas, which is only two and a half hours away from uh, Port Charles, Louisiana, which is where they live so that Kay could help him, you know. And so she would drive over there and stay at, at Charles's house and take care of JJ so that he could work or they would take JJ home and she and Larry would take care of him at his house, at their house. So yes. this went on for a couple of months. And the other thing that was going on during this time is that Kay started helping Charles with his business. Yeah. So she gets access immediately to his emails, banking info, financial info, all his passwords, everything, because she's mm-hmm. helping him run his business because he's really struggling at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah really really important information so at some point in all of this lori just shows back up and like shows she never left like she never left moves in with him in houston mm-hmm. and things are not good they have a big fight at some point kay actually recorded a fight between the two of them i don't know mm-hmm. if we'll ever hear that but there were a lot of concerns and this was at this point kay really felt like lori didn't want. JJ anymore. Yeah, she just basically threw him away, mm-hmm. and um so this this was when, if you remember when we've covered this originally, or if you just remember the stories, this is when Ch- Charles files for divorce. He tells his attorney that Laurie has said she's going to kill him, and he starts getting really freaked out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's also when he finds out Laurie's been messing with his life insurance policy. Yeah. And he changed his password to that. And he also changed the beneficiary to Kay mm-hmm. and Kay testified that he had told her, I'm going to change my life insurance policy and make you the beneficiary. And he said, I want you to use half of it to take care of JJ. Cause there was this, there was this maybe unspoken, maybe spoken, understanding between them that Lori really didn't want jj anymore mm-hmm. and that if anything happened to charles that it was going to fall to Kay and larry to raise him yeah and then the other things that she was supposed to do was give half the money to charles sons
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then charles gets murdered yep and she said that she knew that he w- he had told her that he was going to make that change to the life insurance but they never talked about it again And she didn't know until the life insurance company called her yeah, and said, you know, you're the beneficiary. We need to give you this She hadn't
0: received any documentation or anything, so she didn't know. Yeah.
1: And this was interesting because there was a big kerfuffle that happened in court. Mm -hmm. Just as we were starting to talk about this, because apparently there was a text between Lori and Kay about that time Mm -hmm. about the insurance policy. We still don't know what that text said, because there was a big thing and they um, there was an objection and then they had to take the jury out to have a conversation about it. And mm-hmm. what it came down to is that Prosecutor Wood wanted Kay to confirm what two phone numbers she had for Lori stored in her phone. And did she yeah. have proof of those texts? Well, she did. Mm-hmm. But they were mad because the defense was mad because she sent the text to the prosecutor's office and the prosecutor's office printed it for her and gave it to her to use in court. Mm-hmm. So they didn't like that and said that, I don't know, this whole thing they keep coming back to about Rule 16, that they haven't reported all of their um, like All of
0: interviews. the discovery. Yeah, they're still trying to say there's discovery violations, but the judge did not side with them.
1: He didn't at all. He said, "Wood said this was not an, an interview. This was a conversation that was had with someone in my office about getting this printed. Like, and this was turning over evidence. This was not an interview. So, yeah. the objection was overruled, which tended to be, for the most part, what happened to most of their objections mm-hmm. today. Not all, but most. Yeah. And so we had to take a little break. And when we got back, we did not get to find out what the text message said. And I was pissed. I wanted mm-hmm. to know." But they they jumped over that like they weren't going to allow that. Mm-hmm. Um. So but we did know that he she. Confirmed a couple of phone numbers that she had for Lori, and mm-hmm. this is all just really important because it's foundation building like, yeah. yes, Lori and Kay were in contact. Yes, the phone numbers that the police have for Lori, Kay had those numbers like we know they were in contact with each other and it was the right number. That kind of stuff really matters in a trial like this. Yeah. So then they start talking about when Woodcocks last saw J.J.
0: Yeah.
1: They last saw him on the weekend of May 17th, 2019, and that was for his birthday party. And they had a couple of phone calls after that, but they never saw him in person again. Nope.
0: In fact, the very last FaceTime they had with him in August lasted 34 seconds.
1: Yeah. And they were all like under 60 seconds. Yeah. And she's she had said that these conversations, usually they would FaceTime with JJ and he would wander around the house and like hold the tablet up so that it was like all they saw was like the ceiling, you know, typical mm-hmm. kid. And these last three FaceTimes they had, someone was holding the tablet up sort of above him, pointed down at his face like they it was just proof. Mm-hmm. It was entirely for proof. Yeah. Their mm-hmm. very last contact was on August 10th of 2019. He basically said hi and bye. And that was it. And after that, anytime Kay tried to call him on FaceTime or on the phone, there just was no answer.
0: Yeah. And Lori wouldn't respond at all.
1: Right. So then there was a conversation with Wood about if JJ got to go to Charles Memorial. Mm -hmm. Because it was in Lake Charles. I think I said... I don't know. It's Lake Charles, Lake Charles, Louisiana. It's said Port Charles. I knew that Port was wrong. Charles. I get yeah. so confused because it's Charles and her brother's name is Charles. Lake Charles. Yes. So the, his memorial was in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And Kay had initially talked to Lori about him coming and that she was going to fly to Arizona and pick him up and fly him back. And they were going to keep him for a week and then bring him back home. And she, you know, was making like, um, Flight plans and stuff for that. And then Lori just stopped speaking to her. Yep. And they didn't get to go. He didn't get to go. So JJ didn't go. Lori didn't go. To Charles' funeral.
0: Nope. Yeah. She didn't need Charles anymore. She was done with him. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's see. Then they talked about when Kay first alerted to alerted the police about concerns about JJ. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was right after Charles' death. Yeah. That they immediately said to the Chandler police, you know, things have not been good. Uh-huh. We're really worried about JJ. And it turns out that they were kind of keeping up with those police all through not being able to reach JJ or not being able mm-hmm. to reach Lori. And then um, they actually hired a private investigator trying to help them find out where Lori was and where JJ was. And the one thing you have to understand is that they did not know Tylee very well. They knew her, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but apparently when they would come to spend time with JJ, Tylee would either go to her grandparents' house or a friend's house quite a bit. Yeah, Like there was... I think looking back at this, there was a lot of intention around Lori keeping Tylee separate from a lot yeah. of other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. Kay tells kind of an odd story about a printer. <laughs> yeah. So she has this printer that was Charles's and she was trying to sync it up to her computer mm-hmm. and she was having trouble doing that. And she got up at like four o'clock in the morning one morning. because She'd been irritated about it and couldn't sleep got up and she, she's plugging in this printer. She notices Charles' email, like Gmail avatar pop up in a window on her computer. If that printer was signed into his account, I don't know. I don't even know why it had to be so convoluted. She had all of his accounts.
0: Right. Well, I think that it. maybe it was just a reminder to her that she did.
1: Maybe. She was yeah. in deep
0: grief and shock over what happened to Charles and then JJ yeah. disappearing, the appearing and yeah. Yeah. So she
1: looks at that and goes, oh, well, I have all this stuff. So she signs into his Gmail account. Well, guess what she finds? An Amazon delivery email to an address in Rexburg, Idaho. (laughs) And that Amazon delivery was for, you'll never guess, Malachite wedding rings, a wedding dress, some beach clothes for yucky Chad.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: all the stuff they needed to be getting married. And this was, um, she thinks that that delivery was to happen on August or on October 2nd. That mm-hmm. was the date of that email. Yeah. So she immediately calls first Adam Cox, Lori's brother. Because yeah. there'd been kind of this back end intervention thing kind of going on because everyone knew that things were crazy with these people. Something was going on
0: yeah, seriously wrong. Yeah. And
1: then she called the Chandler Police, and she said, "I have an address in Idaho. Yeah. This is where they are. You know. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately is how the Rexburg Police were notified that there were children missing in our community. Mm-hmm. This is the first time anybody where we live had any idea."
0: But it wasn't the first time that the Chandler police had contacted the Rexburg police about Lori and Alex. And we'll tell you about that in a minute. But bear that in mind. They'd already heard their names from the Chandler police.
1: But this was further confirmation that they needed to be looking into this. Mm -hmm. I will say they still waited a solid three weeks before they actually made contact at Lori's house. Yep. Which there's a lot of questions around that. But that is how Kay is the hero of this story. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she genuinely is. Uh, she looked at, she looked Lori right in the eye the whole time, which was awesome. Lori did a lot of looking down, drawing on her, mm-hmm. writing on her notepad during this because, you know, mm-hmm. Kay, her voice shook. And she had to stop. She coughed, she needed to drink a few times. like this was really difficult
0: mm-hmm. for her. She cried try. over the picture.
1: Yeah. yes, they they confirmed some things uh, the, they confirmed JJ's original birth certificate, the adoption papers, his adoption birth certificate, and a photograph of JJ that she took. Yeah because again, they're just confirming yes, this body is in fact mm-hmm. her grandson, yeah, JJ. Again, that foundation, which is so important. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she said she had taken that picture, and it was her favorite picture of JJ. And it was hard. She, You know, she, but she was a rock star, man. She was amazing. She, she yep. did not let anything get her down. No, she didn't. She did her job. Yeah, she did. Um, cross-examination was weird. Uh, and brief. Pointless. Very brief. Yeah questioned her several times about the distance between Lake Charles and Houston. Yeah. Which I don't know what that was about. And then asked her point blank if she'd basically gone into Charles' email and if she had recorded a conversation that was a private conversation between husband and wife, when she recorded (laughs) a conversation between Laurie and Charles. And she said, I was in the next room. Everybody could hear them. They were yelling at each other. But it was this weird sort of trying to discredit her a little bit that yeah. did not work, I don't think.
0: It was it really, kind of sassy and like, yeah. well, and then that uh, Charles, Charles is actually five years older than her. Yes. And what would, why, why would she think that he would be a oh, better yeah. fit yes. to parent JJ than she would? And, she's and like, nailing
1: her for choosing to put JJ with them?
0: Yeah. And she said, and well. She, She's like, Charles could run circles around 25-year-olds. She's like, he was in excellent shape. He could easily, you know.
1: Well, Lori was 17 years younger than Charles. Yeah. And so kind of making her defend the decision to place um, JJ there. And also kind of like, yeah, see, you trusted her. You thought she was a good mom kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Which Kay absolutely said she did. She absolutely did. That at the beginning when things first, you know, happened that Lori was a great mom and that she didn't have any questions. It was when all this shit started going down that things went seriously sideways.
0: Yeah. Yep. For sure.
1: So that was Kay. Uh, It was awesome. It was really good to hear a little more about how that all came about that she figured out where they were. Yep. And, you know, just very much confirming Without a doubt, that Kay and Larry are JJ's grandparents. Yep. And and should be treated as such.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Are most definitely victims in this situation.
0: Yep. And then our last witness of the day was Brandon Boudreau. And we learned some new things from Brandon. We did. So Brandon Boudreau, if you're keeping your Venn diagram with your push pins and thread on the wall. I feel bad for
1: the jury because we know just for us over a three-year period to keep track of all of these people and how they are related is a lot, but to get it all in one day, holy shit.
0: Yeah. So Brandon is the ex-husband, but was the current husband when a lot of this went down, Melanie Pulowski, Melanie uh, Boudreaux at the time, who is Lori's niece. Yeah. Lori's niece Melanie. Lori had a sister that died. That uh, I believe she died of gastroparesis and diabetes. If I yes, remember her uh, autopsy or her report correctly, mm-hmm. but um, ta- and Melanie was just little when she died, and there had been an ugly custody battle, and she essentially went to live with her dad, and mm-hmm. didn't really reconnect with her mom's side of the family much until she was a little bit older, but she absolutely worshiped lori and she ended up married and in phoenix and so was lori and they didn't live too far from each other and they're the same religion and they have their kids and so the Vallos and the boudreaux were good friends and they hung out together charles and uh, brandon were friends and got along mm-hmm. super good and they did a lot of uh you know holidays together vacations together hanging out The boudreaux's oldest son was right around the age of jj and they used to hang out together and play together and have playdates at each other's houses and yeah they were We're close good
1: friends yeah Mm
0: -hmm. um but then melanie started getting really like kind of hyper religious and going with lori to all of these they called them firesides Now, to us, that makes all the sense because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, most of you guys know this, but we are former Mormons. And that's one of the reasons this case, uh, we have felt like we had a unique uh, angle on reporting it to you guys because we understand some things that other people may not Mm. uh, about Mormonism and and the culture that these folks have been living in. At any rate, the firesides were basically just uh, talks that were given or teachings that were being given by members of the Mormon church. But not by the Mormon church. Yeah, it's,
1: not by representatives of, but.
0: But members who were holding these events like at their homes, at hotels, and stuff like that.
1: And when we were teenagers, we had to go to tons of those things. Oh,
0: yeah. Been to a billion firesides. Yeah. There's no fire. It's not that fun. No. <laughs> but they started going to a lot of these. And Melody was getting like hyper-religious. Which so she Brandon, hadn't
1: been. She'd been kind of not that Jack super Mormon. active yeah. as a Mormon.
0: hmm Yeah. So she had gone. So Brandon was getting kind of weirded out about all these meetings they were going to. And asked her if he could come to one. And she said, no, no, no. You're not yeah. invited. Yeah.
1: That was very interesting. Yeah. Not just, oh, I don't think you'd like it. It was, no, I don't want you to.
0: Mm-hmm. she got to the point that she was insisting on going to the temple every day. Yeah. Now, you know Mormons have temples. They're all over the world. Surely you've seen one or have one in your community. And
1: Some big white abomination with a gold guy with a trumpet on top, if you
0: yep. don't know what they look like. Mm-hmm. And to go to the temple, that means that you are worthy to go, which means you have uh, fulfilled all of the requirements that the church has in order to have a temple recommend it also uh temple sessions are quite long a couple hours they and also cost depending money on what she was doing well they don't cost but your, your clothing and things cost unless well yeah you have, yeah, you have
1: to pay to rent clothes and stuff when you go in
0: yeah well unless you have your own but
1: True.
0: True, you don't necessarily have to but uh and knowing melanie she probably had a real fancy schmancy set of temple clothes Lori probably did too uh anyway boo but uh it's not no one goes to the temple every day the most devout mormons i know go to the temple maybe maybe a couple of times a month right every day is insanity that's not done but Lori was doing that too so was zulima they were all going to the temple every single day uh as a part of these beliefs that they were developing Mm -hmm. brandon said even on family vacations she was insisting on visiting whatever temple and whatever town they were in and still going so can you imagine every day on vacations she's sticking him with their four kids so that she can go do a temple session without him yeah because she has to go
1: yeah while well, he's like at disney world or whatever with all their yeah. children
0: very weird that's very weird mm-hmm. anyway uh
1: <laughs> True, price of admission is 10% of your income,
0: correct? That's true. <laughs> That's true, Paula. You're absolutely correct. Yep, for sure. Um, they did Christmas together, which they'd done holidays together before, and it was not good. Charles <laughs> and uh, Lori were not good. He said JJ was very chaotic. It was not a fun time. Things felt off, and there were whispers that Lori was having an affair. And Melanie had sworn him to secrecy and told him he, she wanted him to stay out of it. Didn't want him to say anything to Charles. That he needed to just stand back.
1: Charles was his friend. Like, they weren't just, re, you know, related by marriage. They were friends. And that seemed to really hurt Brandon.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, he felt... He, he clearly feels really terrible about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things we learned from Brandon, and this is something we'd never heard, is that Brandon baptized Tylee so Mormon children are baptized into the church when they turn eight and a lot of times they're baptized by their dads but Charles was a convert to the church and hadn't been Mm -hmm. Mormon for very long and didn't feel comfortable baptizing Tylee and so in that case you would ask a family friend and they asked Brandon so Brandon actually had kind of a special connection to Tylee because he had baptized her Mm -hmm. that was really sweet um they did ask him to verify Tylee's birth certificate and mm-hmm. her a picture of her, a picture of her that the defense actually objected to because they dumb. he didn't take the picture himself. And how could we know this wasn't photoshopped? And I mean, it was clearly a picture of Tylee, for God's sake.
1: But right, and that's what the prosecutor said. They're like, we're just it's just to confirm that this is the person he is speaking about. Yeah. Like, don't get all crazy. <laughs> and so the judge, you know, uh, yeah. you know,
0: uh, yeah, the judge was like, yeah, did whatever,
1: know. threw that one out the window, whatever he does. I can't remember the word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Overrun, overturned. Uh,
1: something.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. My brains are scrambled, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so into the spring, of course, you know, then all of the Lori and Charles stuff go down. And Melanie is just continuing kind of on the path of Lori.
1: Overruled, Janet. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that.
1: I only typed that word like 10 times today. but
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They had a fight. Get this. They had a fight because Melanie wanted to spend $2,000 in food storage. Remember, she was going to all of those preparing a people conferences. Those are prepper events. Yeah, it's all end-of-the-world-y stuff. Mm -hmm. And she was getting very concerned about the end of days and that kind of stuff and wants to spend two grand on food storage. And Brandon's like, why? But she, this is what she was learning, you know, at the stuff that she was attending. So.
1: It was 2K is what they said in court.
0: Mm -hmm. Families have a lot going on. No big surprise there.
1: Right, Phyllis? Yeah, that's that's a lot of money to just throw, mm-hmm. you know. If you don't know what food storage is, we grew up with it because Mormons are preppers, just mm-hmm. not necessarily to this extreme. But Mormons are all preppers. And Mormons always have food storage in their basements in mm-hmm. preparation for any apocalyptic kind of event that might occur.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. to go out and buy $2,000 worth, our mom used to buy from the case lot sales every year at the grocery store, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then also we canned lots of stuff from the garden. Yeah. And, you know, but to go out and buy $2,000 worth of food all at once, that's a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I have a neighbor that every Christmas mm-hmm. comes down here and brings me one of those giant number 10 cans of sugar or grain or of something to add to my food storage. It's very sweet of her. Um, I'm okay. (laughs)
1: Well, aren't they frequently expired? Oh, yeah. This is the problem with food storage. It has to be rotated because everything expires. Even if it's canned, it's going to expire. You can't just Mm -hmm. keep it. I have a giant bag of wheat in my basement that my parents gave us for Christmas. Gave each of the families for Christmas Mm -hmm. one year. Yeah. I can't even lift it. What am I? Wheat. Like I'm going to grind it up and make some. I don't know. I don't even know what to do with it.
0: Don't you worry. I have a week right there. Yes,
1: you do. If you guys only knew. (laughs) If you only knew. you
0: know how to do in case. You better believe it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, At some point, there was a disagreement in the summer of 2019. They went to Melanie's family for a wedding. And while they were there, Brandon's grandfather died. He had a heart attack. And Melanie flatly refused to go to the funeral and was or pretty, take their kids or take their kids. She was pretty uh, belligerent about it. And he was like, What the hell is going on with you? Like, I mean, they've been married for more than 10 years, you know? Yeah. It's not like a, they wouldn't want to be there. And that started a fight. And then she accused him of <laughs> hacking Aunt Lori's computer. And he denied it, and he still does. And then Melanie made more accusations. And, of course, one of those accusations is that he is, in their words, a homosexual.
1: This was on cross, and this came from John Thomas.
0: No, no, this started with, uh, this wasn't on cross.
1: That's right. It did start.
0: We'll get there. Yeah.
1: I just hate that. As, As a member of the LGBT community that very when people spit that word homosexual Mm -hmm. at you Mm -hmm. i hate that word yeah i hate it and they definitely did use it in
0: that way oh yeah oh yeah for sure so like all of these things are happening they're getting ready to split up like life is real bad you know yeah in the brandon and melanie sphere in the meantime, of course, Charles dies, and Lori and her kids, uh, he has no contact with them after that. Melanie and Brandon divorce, and then Brandon sells his house and rents two homes, one for Melanie and one for him so that they can co-parent, though uh, Melanie was making co-parenting, he said, really hard in the beginning that uh, he rarely could get a hold of her, and it was pretty chaotic. Didn't get
1: to see his kids much for a
0: while. Yeah. So he's just moved into this new house. He's lived there for three days. And he had the kids. And so he got up that morning and he took the two older kids to school. He took the two younger kids to Melanie's house and dropped them off. He went to the gym and worked out and he came home. But when he gets home, well, this is where there's a big objection and a sidebar and even a break so Mm -hmm. that they can hash it out some more. Uh, this is something that the defense really, really didn't want to talk about, but uh, the prosecution really, really did, and eventually they won. So they didn't want to talk about the Brandon Boudreaux shooting, and basically, because the prosecution was not laying out a lot of the uh, evidence, they were just talking to this one witness, to whom it happened to, and they wanted more. So the it was Prosecutor Smith, and she's like, you know, it's kind of just a what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of conversation. Was it you know, do we need to lay out the evidence before we talk to Brandon? Can we talk to Brandon before we lay out the evidence? Essentially, yeah. the judge said we're going to talk about it but uh, if during this trial at some any point you never turn over the evidence on this then I'm going to have to instruct the jury to uh, disregard it. That's kind of the way they went.
1: But Trust us. The evidence exists.
0: (laughs) Well, like she said, Prosecutor Smith is like, this has to come out at some point. We have to start talking about the facts. So anyway, so they got permission to go on. So of course, Thomas said that was a weak argument.
1: (laughs) That's all he said. Like,
0: yes. You know, Smith had this big
1: smart thing to say. And then Thomas said it was a weak argument. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the judge sided with Smith. Mm hmm.
0: So he says, again, he was coming home from the gym and he notices that there is a Jeep parked in front of his driveway. He said it was a Jeep Wrangler with Texas plates. It didn't have a spare on the back. He said he saw. They
1: usually do, those Wranglers.
0: Yeah. He said he saw a window go down, a gun and a silencer come out the window, and his driver's side window was shot out. Thank God, so he was driving around I, the, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So because he's a man, he <laughs> calls 911 and tries to follow them. Yeah. 911, uh the 911 operator said, "Uh don't. They're going to shoot you again, you know. <laughs>
1: Hello, dummy. <laughs> Stay so, away from the people with the gun."
0: Right. So he gave the police everything that he saw. And then he took some steps to identify the Jeep because it seemed familiar to him. Because guess who had a Jeep just like that? Charles that Tylie drove. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Same well, here's color, what's Texas
0: really freaking plates. funny. These guys made so many mistakes. They're so they were so arrogant I guess arrogant, stupid, all of it. But they disregarded the fact, or maybe they didn't know why they used that Jeep, I'll never understand. Because right. Charles had asked Brandon for an insurance quote at some point. Brandon's an insurance guy. He had the VIN number to that Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the Rexburg police had already received a phone call from the Chandler police about this Jeep that was now in Rexburg, Idaho, that had that VIN number and they wanted him to keep an eye on that. They'd already been surveying them because of the whole jeep situation and just they just wanted them to know where they were and kind of keep an eye on them while they figured out if they were going to file charges or not or what was going to happen so they'd already identified the jeep and were keeping an eye on them before Kay got with them and the kids were reported missing that's why when the Rexburg police heard these two's names they'd already heard their names from the chandler police isn't that something yeah yep
1: There were a lot of people putting it together all around this situation. Mm -hmm. But we heard a term from Prosecutor Smith today that we need to remember. This is very important. And it's called common scheme. Mm -hmm. And that is what their theory of all of these crimes is, is that Mm -hmm. this is a common scheme Mm -hmm. of killing spouses and children to get what they want Mm -hmm. because you remember that these guys are charged with conspiracy and they have always said alex Lori, chad and other unknown co-conspirators unknown or known we're known yeah like they have left this wide open that there are other people in this scheme Yep. And that's what that's what Smith said. That's what we're proving here, Your Honor. This is part of the common scheme, mm-hmm. and I think we need to really remember that that term. That is very key to the the prosecution's entire case.
0: Yep. Yep. And that's what they did today. Just weaving all of these uh, pieces together. Yep. They asked Brandon where he was when he learned that the kids had been found. Uh, he's in the garage. Uh, but he got his in the car. House. Yeah, he got in the car and he came here uh, to be with, uh, to, to meet with uh, Kay and Larry. And he was asked if he could identify JJ. It was a, it was too much for Kay and Larry. And he was asked to identify him. So that he, they, he drove somewhere. He said, and they showed him pictures. Autopsy pictures or just death pictures yeah. of poor little JJ, and he was able to identify him. Yes. He cried so much on the he stand did. when he talked about that. It was heart wrenching. It was. Yeah. He cried and cried and cried. It was awful. That is something he will never forget in all of his days. No, are those pictures
1: very clear? Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: But there's, you know, that's just yet another interesting connection to this case that Brandon has.
1: Yeah, he has a lot of connections. He knew these kids well. Yeah. He he watched Tylee grow. He talked about watching Tylee grow up into a teenager and, you know, being around her a lot and knowing her as a person. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few people that we, well, so far, one of the only people we've heard from who did know Tylee.
0: Yeah.
1: Tylee was kept so separate. From mm-hmm. everyone. And I think that was a lot of Lori's manipulation, but not very many people mm-hmm. actually got to know Tylee. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So that was it for the state. The state rested there. Uh, Thomas did the cross, and the first thing he did was try to confirm all the problems in the Boudreaux marriage and Melanie's issues, and literally got all of the dates and locations wrong got
1: all of it wrong completely wrong like yeah. he hadn't been listening at all yeah was it intentional are they going for the bumbling attorney kind of or is he just an idiot i don't know well he accomplished it i've but brandon was like no, no. that's i already said all of this you know like hello yeah
0: yeah yep so he Asked him a little bit more about uh, the shooting. Not much. Just verified the date and then asked him about the Google searches he had done.
1: Well, implied that if you saw the gun, you didn't see the license plate number. Yeah. Again, credibility. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And and did you see the flash? Didn't you see the flash from the gun? And he said he doesn't know that he did. He was driving. This happened super fast. Like, these
1: fools tried to murder him while he was driving down the road. What was he... At least he had the wherewithal to realize that he knew the Jeep and he Mm -hmm. knew the state that the license plate was.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know
1: if I could have done better when someone's firing at me, you know?
0: I couldn't have. I'm I'm positive. It came across
1: as zero sympathy, that's for
0: sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is where we got in trouble in court. (laughs) Uh, Thomas confirms that Melanie had accused Brandon of being a homosexual.
1: He just kept using that stupid mm-hmm. word, oh, I would want to kick him in the nuts.
0: And Brandon Oof. said, Yeah. And, and he asked him, where would she get an idea like that? And Brandon says, She says God told her. <laughs> and yes, some of us burst out laughing a little bit.
1: It was hard not to.
0: Well, there was a girl in front of us that had been visiting with us quite a bit, and she turned around and pointed at us and was like, oh! And we all went, boo. Oh! And we all kind of laughed, and then the, the court administrator was like, "mm mm mm mm," and then I looked back at her, and she was chuckling too. Anyway, I I don't know what Thomas thought he was going to get there, but what he got was Melanie's crazy. Remember? Yeah, God told her yeah. that Brandon was actually I'm going to just say gay because I'm tired of using that word. Uh, but uh, the that then he, he
1: says Brandon was just awful.
0: Mm-hmm. He says, "Are you sure?" It wasn't from a video that your friend posted online of you dancing around as a pink pony. And Brandon says, no, that wasn't the issue. God told her.
1: <laughs> he just was not taking it at all.
0: He was pretty deadpan, actually. Was. I was proud of him. I he was didn't really react. Proud he was like, Yeah. He did a good job. He did a super good job. So then Thomas asked him if uh, the shot fired from the Jeep If he was certain it came from the Jeep and not from another source. Yeah, sure. Sure, Thomas, yeah.
1: Yeah, like he saw Uh, the gun come out of the back of the Jeep, but they shot him from another place. Yeah. Ridiculous. And he
0: wanted to confirm how he uh, got the emails that led him to search for Chad Daybell. Because one thing that did come up is that uh, after all of the stuff started getting weird and after he was shot at, he started doing... Some internet searches on some of the names from some of these events that his ex-wife had attended that charles had actually sent him
1: well long yeah long there were all these group emails
0: mm-hmm. all these emails and and driving through those the name that kept coming up was chad daybell so he did a bunch of research on chad daybell and guess what he found on the internet that chad daybell's wife tammy daybell had just died yeah and so then brandon's like oh wait a minute Lori's husband has died. I have been, had an attempt on my life and Chad Daybell's wife is dead. And he called the authorities and brought all of that information to the forefront for them. So that's part of another way that he kind of weaves into this story. But uh, I think Brandon's lucky to be alive. I think the kids are very lucky to be alive.
1: Absolutely. And he's a rock star. I mean, he did not give up. He, you know, really took some embarrassing crap in court today. He mm-hmm. did a really good job. I was very proud of him and really appreciated that he and Kay mm-hmm. just didn't give up. And they, yeah. they started figuring out what was going on and really got
2: mm-hmm.
1: the police's attention for sure before anybody else did, which I, is just amazing.
0: Absolutely. Yep. So that was pretty much it for the cross. There was no redirect. And then, uh, would ask the judge if he he said they aren't planning on recalling him the defense also said they're not planning on calling him so they released him from his subpoena so that he can go home so yeah. that's all we're going to hear from brandon boudreaux
1: because he lives in utah now i think right mm, is I'm he back sure. in arizona he's no remarried
0: idea.
1: and yeah i'm not sure but yeah he but, doesn't live he in is, idaho it's a
0: catch melanie is idiot.
1: a catch yeah melanie fucked up
0: big time yeah yeah, for sure. The fact that Melanie and Lori gave up good husbands that loved them. Yeah. That were good men.
1: Charles was a catch, too. He was oh, a good man. for sure.
0: Man. And super good providers. Gave them both the world in, on the palm of, you know, gave them, what am I trying to say?
1: World, The world in the palm of their hand. <laughs> me. The world me on a
0: silver platter. That's what I meant. That, too. Uh, yeah. That, uh... Ding dong,
1: the witch is dead. I don't know. Something.
0: <laughs> we're, we're tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and traded life in for Chad Daybell. This guy. Mm-hmm.
1: Resting toad face.
0: And I can't really trash Ian Pulowski because I really don't know him. And we're gonna get into Ian later because I am sure he's testifying. Because he also helped mm-hmm. break this case open.
1: He did, I but would somehow expect...
0: has managed to stay married to Melanie. Drugs. But that's basically lots what of drugs. What's... Yeah. That was that's today. My guess. Yeah, drugs. Yeah. Got to be drunk.
1: Victoria (laughs) says, and this is really good. We say this all the time. Victoria says, Brandon and Kay are really showing that see something, say something is so important. We say that on like every single show Mm -hmm. how important it is that if something feels wrong, it is. Mm -hmm. Brandon said that things just did not feel right in this situation. And he trusted
0: that. Yeah, but you know, it's sad because Charles said something to the police multiple times.
1: They did not help him.
0: And they didn't help him at all. In fact, they helped Lori.
1: They did. They did help Lori. And he told them, she's going to kill me.
0: Mm -hmm. And even
1: when she did, when they did, Mm -hmm. they still didn't see it for what it was until Mm -hmm. after all of this went down.
0: Yeah. And then they're like, oh, hey, uh, so we think that Lori uh, and Alex actually murdered Charles and the whole world's like, no shit, Sherlock. I think everyone knows that, but you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's always going to be very disappointing right janet should be served with a lawsuit chandler police yeah however our sources are saying that they are absolutely prepared laying in wait as soon as Lori is done at madison or with madison fremont here that they are still planning on bringing charges against her so she yeah. may be getting extradited to arizona to stand trial there
1: yep
0: it, it could be that's the
1: word that they they are not going to let this go which yep. yay Yep, good.
0: Absolutely. Charles so tomorrow Family they are going to start out with detective hermesio We mm-hmm. expect hermesio to be on the stand for quite a while.
1: Probably half the day at least. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, if you remember hermesio he testified in Chad's uh, preliminary, preliminary hearing. And he was so good. And we know hermesio We've known him for a million years. He's a, he good, He's a good guy. Yep. Good dude. Um, this has been extremely hard on the poor detectives that found these kids. Oh, it, it's yeah. affected their lives profoundly. And and I'm not saying that I know that about uh, Ray Hermosillo or, or I don't. What I know, though, is that it's been really hard on them all. Yeah. But Ray was on the stand in Chad's preliminary. Pryor was so shockingly rude to him and difficult and ugly with him. And For he did such a good job. Dumb yeah. yeah. We've been seeing Hermosillo in court in Fremont County every time we go. He's there. Yep. He's there to just watch. So uh, I, we're not going to court tomorrow. Uh, neither of us are able to go. We do have an associate going, however, mm-hmm. and we'll be keeping an eye on everything that uh, the reporters that are there are posting. So we will have a recap of court tomorrow, but we won't have a play-by-play like we did today.
1: No, but we'll we'll update, we'll do summaries on Twitter and Facebook as we get things, you know, we'll still be keeping you up to it, up to it, and, you know, we'll follow other people too.
0: For sure. And now, I'm curious to see, now that they've gotten these two out of the way, now they're calling harm are we going to get to the portion now where it's law enforcement for a while? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking that's probably right. I suspect so, yeah. If you guys remember in Chad's preliminary the fbi guy with all the data oh dear god that was so long and boring and hard to listen to an important oh,
1: super just important so
0: technical yeah yeah
1: yeah cuz a lot of the a lot of the evidence that they have is digital yeah is based on gps and from phones and all that kind of stuff super super important stuff
0: and so many devices they had so many phones burner phones and devices all of this stuff. Yeah.
1: What we're hearing is that they are not going to call Larry. That Larry is not going to be called as a witness. He was going to be called in the penalty phase. Mm-hmm. But we don't get a penalty phase now since the death penalty has been dropped. So and Larry uh, was no. There today. And he was there. He's in court. Mm-hmm. So According that's been resolved.
0: people that were in Boise, Larry was there. Uh, Charles's two sons were there and Tylee's aunt aunt, Annie Cushing was there yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah quite a bit of family there the only family we haven't heard about being there were Tammy's kids and we the defense or the prosecution one of them had said that they didn't think they were coming so so that's what's up are we done did we do it
1: I think we did it I, I I do yeah
0: yeah Oh, I don't know on Colby. I would assume Colby was there, but maybe not. I don't know, Janet. I'm not sure on Colby. I
1: didn't see anybody say Colby specifically. Everybody else I, I saw named by people who were in the phys- physically in the courtroom. I didn't see yeah. Colby's name.
0: I didn't either. Doesn't it's mean he wasn't.
1: But him. I don't know. I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. Yeah. Honestly.
0: Oh, Charles' ex-wife Cheryl was there too. Oh, interesting. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me though. See yes, there with, there her, with her kids. Yeah. For sure. Yep. So that is what's up. So, of course, we'll just keep you abreast as it keeps rolling out. But those are some things to know. We're still going to post some uh, flashbacks, some throwback episodes. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, There's still so much conversation around Alex and how Alex died or what actually happened to Alex. And we're still standing on uh, the foundation that we still suspect that Alex took his own life. We don't know how but we do and the reason we think that is because chad gave alex a blessing called a patriarchal blessing A patriarchal blessing is a special blessing that is given in the mormon church by someone who's been given that calling they're called the ward patriarch or the stake patriarch mm-hmm. and they give you a blessing it's kind of like a psychic reading it is. and charles or chad had absolutely no authority to give a patriarchal blessing he wasn't a patriarch probably wanted to be, though. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: he gave this blessing to Alex that basically spelled out to him all the things, uh, you know, that he was Lori's protector and he was supposed to be there and be a part of their movement and all this stuff. And we have an episode on it, and I'm going to pull that part out of it and post it uh, so that you guys can watch that and get a better sense of what that all was and what it all means. Mm -hmm. But the most meaningful part of it was that he said that At some point, you will know when it's time to go. You'll know when your job here is done. Well, Tammy was exhumed. And Alex died the next day. Yeah. Do we? We also know that he talked to Charles on the phone. Sorry, to Chad on the phone right before he died.
1: He did. So we have lots of questions around that. So It does not appear that he died accidentally. He died right at the moment when he was right on the verge of saying something about what
0: was going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. We think that uh, he knew it was time to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also because he had just said, now I'm not sure where this evidence is. I can't wait to hear where this came from, that he hopes he doesn't become their fall guy. Yeah, Maybe he said that to Zulema. Maybe that's where we'll hear that testimony.
1: Maybe it is. Yeah.
0: That was she said was in his open. wife. so yeah. Anyways, but I I will find that. Uh, I'm trying to find that piece. We've done a lot of episodes and cut that out, and some other things that you might find interesting that kind of help mm-hmm. you to understand it. Oh, Colby yeah. was there. Linda said, "Okay." Oh, good. good well, good. sending so much love to all of the victims' families. I cannot Absolutely. imagine how hard this all was. They had to really suck. Yeah. Well, Zulema knew things were all bad because she lawyered up within a very, you know, like 30 minutes of of Alex's death. Yeah. Yeah. She lawyered up instantly. Yeah. It was Zulema that said he said that. Okay. All righty. Well, we're going to go. This might be a record for one of our longest live streams ever. Might be. Yeah. (laughs) So we will, uh, I don't know that we'll do a stream tomorrow. Maybe we will. And, And. We'll see what comes out tomorrow we may do yeah. a quick summons tomorrow uh later in the day and then of course wednesday uh darla will be in court and she'll be sending us uh updates and then on and so we'll probably still live tweet on thursday or on wednesday mm-hmm. and then on thursday i will be in court and i'll live tweet and then on Friday, Christy, will be in court and she'll live tweet. So yep. we should have most of this week completely covered. And, again, tomorrow we do have an associate in court. I just don't think she's going to fully live tweet. She's just going to send us uh, probably more interesting things as they happen. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yep. And if you're local and you want to take a day in court, uh, we would love that. Yes, we would. <laughs> we would really, really appreciate it. Yep. We're we're all going to just do the very best we can, and it's the best we can do. So Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being here. Please like, share, follow. You know how it be. If you want to buy us a coffee to help support our efforts here, just head over to TrueCrimeSquad.com and you can buy us a coffee there or even send us a tip through PayPal if you want to. Yep. We appreciate it. And we are guzzling coffee. Holy cow.
1: Yes, we are. Takes a lot of caffeine to send all those tweets.
0: It's true. (laughs) And thanks, you guys, for all of your support. We appreciate you always. We do very much. This has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care. Bye,
1: everybody.